I love that people are greeting me with that now on Sunday mornings. It's a good day, Pastor Patty. I go, yes, it is. It's a good day, and uh, it's been a good week and a great weekend, and next week's going to be a good week, and it's all good. And so we're going to, this morning, take a little bit of a break from the series we've been doing on the book of Mark. We'll come back to that next Sunday. But um, we're going to hit a little bit this morning our whole theme that we, that we just hit on every now and then. Church is weird, Okay. Now, can I just, and some of you right now, you just got offended. Just, just get over it, okay? Some of us have been in church since just before we were born. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay? And you think this is normal, okay? I'm with you. I was, I was raised in church, and you think it's normal. But the ones that didn't raise their hands, and I'm not going to ask them to raise their hands because they're already a little bit freaked out right now, they're going, this is weird, Church is weird. Turn to the person next to you and go, church is weird. Go ahead, read out loud. It's weird. Okay? And so we've, we've tried to talk about this a little bit. And, and you can walk into any kind of an unfamiliar setting, and, and something will be weird about it. If you don't know what to do, or you don't know the lingo, or you don't know the dress code, or you don't know when to stand or when to sit down, or you don't know the inside jokes, or you don't know any of those things, it can be weird. And church can be weird for new people. Now, before you get all judgy on me and go, it is weird, and it should stop being weird, we all have weirdness. Okay, just just own that at this moment. Everybody has weirdness. Every family has weirdness. Every every group in society that ever comes together has weirdness. And I remember telling you last spring, for example, in my family at Thanksgiving, we have what we call a turkey walk. And if you are new to our family, you, you're a little concerned because you're concerned that we all parade around doing something weird like this. What on earth is a turkey walk? And really what it is, is our family just has this tradition that we go for a walk in a conservation area on Thanksgiving day. And when my niece was three years old, she called it a turkey walk and the name stuck. Okay. So it's not nearly as weird as you think, but it sounds weird. How many go that sounded weird just now? Okay. So you have weirdnesses too. Just, just own that, accept it. I've gotten to know some of you over the last while, and you're all a little bit weird, okay? And church is a little bit weird. And if you are new and you've been coming in, you go, I don't know why they're doing that. And so we, we did a whole series last spring, and then I'm just sort of bouncing back to it from time to time. But we talked about um, some of the language that gets used in church. I mean, we talk about blood, and we talk about sheep, and we talk about Jesus being, he's both a lamb and a shepherd, and we don't understand how that works. And we talk about sacrifices. And guys, that sounds weird to people that have never been here. Weird. And so we talked about that, and we talked about music. Why do we, why do we worship and do the music the way we do? Is it, is it karaoke? Is that what's going on here? Is it some sort of a weird coffee house? And this is the, the band. How does that all work? And we talked about that last spring and we talked about, um, communion and, and when we take uh, the Lord's supper together and we talked about the Holy spirit and tried to explain some of that because it sounds like we got some weird little ghost floating around in the church. And so we're just trying to hit on that every now and then. And so today we're going to, we're going back to this idea of church is weird. And the topic, we're hitting today is the armor of God. Okay. Now some of you are like, yes. And some of you are going, that's weird. Okay. Turn to the person beside you again. Go, that's weird. It's weird. It's weird. You guys talking about armor of God in church. There's people here right now that are going, oh my word. What are they talking about? Can I just tell you when I started this church's weird series, um, 
One of my friends here in this church, and actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name her. It's Amber. Just wave right there. That's Amber. She said, oh, Patty, can I take you out for coffee? Because when I came to church, I thought it was so weird the first time. And so she took me out. Actually, we went for lunch, and she just gave me a list of things because it was all weird to her when she first came. And so she told me about how when she first went to church the very first time, and it, everything was just so weird, and, and they started the music, and one guy put up his hand, and she thought, oh, my goodness, I'm in a cult. And it was terrifying, and it was scary, and there was all these weird things they used to. And then... Once she, I'm hoping I'm getting the story right. Once she spent some time and, and went, you know what? Oh, okay, this is a little bit weird, but I'm in and I'm going to be a follower of Jesus and take the plunge and I'm going to get it. And the very next Sunday she comes to church and the pastor said, okay, today, I presume it was that kind of voice. Today, we're going to talk about the armor of God. And she leaned over to the person she was with and said, I didn't get mine. Where, where do we get that? Do we wear it under our clothes? Do we order it online? It's weird. The idea of the armor of God is weird. And so, so we're going to unpack it today. And I promise by the end, it'll be slightly less weird. And we're going to look at big picture and then walk it through. We're actually going to just pray some steps together and, and it's going to be okay. And so just turn to the person beside you go, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Okay. Let me, let me just talk about some big picture stuff first. And we've hit on this before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But as followers of Jesus, as people who are Christians, we actually, we have this whole understanding of good and evil. It's a big framework for our understanding and for our beliefs. We believe that God is real. Hello? Right? And God is good. And God is holy. And God is righteous. And God is loving. And God is all of those things. And God is not some impersonal entity that's sort of a, a being or an entity out there in the sky. We believe that God is real with personality and character and all of that kind of thing. And, and God is good. And we believe, okay, we believe that Satan is real. We don't believe that evil is just some sort of impersonal entity sort of floating out there, this darkness, that kind of... We believe that there's, there's a real devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, doesn't matter to me. And, and you go, well, that seems a little bit weird. And it is weird in the Western world, but it's not weird throughout most of the rest of the world and throughout time, just to give you a little bit of perspective. And, and I talked about this a few weeks ago on July 17th. And, and if you want to hear the bigger version of that, you go on our website and you can listen to that. It was July 17th. I think it was called Immeasurably More. But we believe that God is real and that Satan is real. And Satan's purpose is to destroy us. That's it. That's his purpose, to destroy us. That's been his purpose right from the very beginning. So at the beginning of the story of God, which is in, in the Bible, and the story of God at work with humanity in Genesis, at the very beginning, Satan's the one that came, talked to Adam and Eve, you know, and convinced them to turn away from God. And that had huge, huge repercussions that we're still feeling today. But God gave a promise at that time, way back then, right at the beginning, of it won't always be this way one day. One day. And, and it's the first hint of a promise that Jesus was going to come and Jesus was going to change things and Jesus was going to defeat evil. But, but the point is, they're real. God is real and he loves us. And Satan is real and he hates us. And you go, well, I'm not sure. Well, First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 is a letter that's written by one of the apostles of the New Testament. Says in verse 7, give all your worries and cares to who? God, for he, this side got it, for he cares about you. But then on the other hand, it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. We believe it's a real thing. Good so far? Okay, here's the next part. We're going to look at the book of Ephesians today in, in the Bible. And so if you have your Bible or you have your tablets or smartphones and you've downloaded a Bible app, there's a great app out there, literally just called the Bible app, and it's made by Lifeway Church. You feel free to download that or we'll have this stuff on the screens. But we're looking at Ephesians today, and that's in the New Testament in the second half of the Bible. And it's a letter that's written very early in the history of the Christian church. And so it's this letter. So it's only a few decades that are after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so there's, there's two things that are happening with followers of Jesus at this time, okay? One of the things that's happening is that followers of Jesus have been scattered because of persecution. They all started in Jerusalem area, and then persecution hit, and they fled. They ran. And they're carrying the message of Jesus with them and the good news of Jesus with them as they flee. And so they're ending up in different places, and one of the places they're ending up is in Ephesus. So there's that piece that's happening. And then the second thing that's happening is um, apostles or leaders or the ones who were the disciples of Jesus at the beginning, they're intentionally traveling around from place to place to start churches and to bring the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, to different places where there aren't any churches or there aren't any Christians. And so then sometimes as they go around, you know, they, they stop in this one place and they maybe spend a few months here or a little bit of time and they get it going. They, they tell the message and they get a little church started and then they move on to another place and then they move on to another place and then they go, oh, I should write a letter back to these guys because I heard they have some questions. And so they write a letter and they send it back or they go to a bunch of places and then they end up getting arrested and they're in prison. If you're in prison, you might as well make good use of your time. So they write a bunch of letters to the different churches and that's what a lot of the New Testament is. You following me so far? Okay, so Ephesians then is one of those letters and it's written, it's called Ephesians because it's written to the church in Ephesus. Okay, Ephesus is a city. It's now in modern day Turkey. And the people there were called Ephesians, just like the people here are called Montrealers or Montreales. Am I saying that right? I'm getting there. I, give me some grace, okay? And so this is Paul's letter, and it's specifically to these Christians who are in Ephesus. And the culture and the place that they live in in Ephesus is very spiritual. Ephesus has no problem understanding that there's a spiritual world. City of Ephesus is all about the spiritual. They got all kinds of different beliefs out there and all kinds of spiritual ideas. And so the, the apostle Paul had gone there. He'd made a few visits. And so I just want to give you an idea of what Ephesus is like, because it might sound a little bit familiar after we go through it. So let me just give you a little history of when the church was being planted in Ephesus. So in Acts chapter 19, this is what happened in Ephesus, okay? And you're going you're gonna to go, whoa. Okay, so here's what it says. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. And when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Whoa. Say that with me. Whoa. Okay. And then a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. And seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? 
And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Whoa. Okay. Welcome to Ephesus. <laughs> it's, this, it's this place where spiritual stuff is considered real. And this whole story then has this huge impact on the city. And here's what happened a few verses later. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. And a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Whoa, okay? Ephesus is a little bit of a dramatic place, and Ephesus is a place where the idea of a spiritual world is not weird. It's not an odd idea. They just assume it's there. There's this assumption that spirituality is part of the world they live in, and also The economy in Ephesus depends on there being a spiritual world. And I'm going to say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, okay, so don't don't get offended. But when the economy depends, how many know that if you do religion right, you could generate a lot of money? Right? can't believe she just said that. I did, right out loud. I said it, okay? So... So in Ephesus, there's lots of money being made on all of this spirituality. And so as people start turning to Jesus and they start worshiping Jesus instead of following these other spiritualities, it actually impacts the economy of the city. And so this businessman who made silver shrines for the Greek goddess Artemis, and Artemis, you know, she's a big deal in Ephesus. He, he's the guy that makes the silver shrines. He's losing business. And so he pulls together the tradesmen of the city, pulls them all together, and, and he makes this big speech, probably has a beautiful sound system, you know, and lights shining on him and all of that. And he makes this big speech about, about the honor of Artemis and, and the glory of the city. And he points out that all of their business, they're all losing business as people stop worshiping Artemis. And that gets them all worked up. And the next thing you know, there's a riot. Welcome to Ephesus. Ephesus is it's a real place. With, with super passionate people who, who get worked up really easily and they, and they protest whenever something goes wrong and, and all kinds of versions of spirituality exist. How many go, oh, that sounds a little bit like Montreal. <laughs> okay. And, and so the point is the idea of spiritual warfare or the idea of a spiritual world or of a God and Satan and all that would not have been odd to them at all. So Paul is writing this letter to Christians in Ephesus, and and he's touched on a whole bunch of stuff in this letter. And part of it I talked about a few weeks ago in that message that I talked about on July 17th. But he talked about in that letter the reality of the spiritual world. He just talks about it like it's normal. He talks about it like it's just expected. This This is what is. And he's so excited. It's so real to him. He can't stop talking about it. And, and he's so excited because he's trying to tell them that God's plan in the whole spiritual world, way back from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, God's plan has been to, to show the world, show people, reveal who God is through the church. Not, not the institution, not the building, but the group of followers of Jesus that come together all over the world, that God's plan has been to reveal himself 
through that, through that group, which we call the church. And Paul's so excited about it. And so he talks a lot about that. And then after he talks about that, he gets really, really practical in his letter. Because, and I'm glad for that because I'm one of those practical people. I go, okay, that's great. And so what? And so he gets really practical in his letter. And he, he talks to them about a bunch of things. He begs them to get along with each other. I find that encouraging <laughs> because the church has had a hard time sometimes getting along with each other since the beginning And so I find it encouraging when it happens today. You don't have to raise your hand in excitement about that, but it's a good thing. And then he talks about ways that they can serve each other. You can serve each other this way. You could serve each other that way. And then he talks to them about how they're supposed to be living as followers of Jesus. So he says, you know, don't steal. Don't lie. You need to live generously. You need to deal with your anger. Be kind. Be forgiving. All the practical stuff of life. And he talks about marriage. And he talks about family. And he talks about work relationships. So it's really practical stuff. And so you can sort of feel him as you get through this letter. You can feel him sort of checking off his checklist. Okay, I spent a couple chapters. I talked about... I talked about the spiritual stuff, and I talked about the church, and I talked about uh, how they're supposed to serve each other, and I talked about family, and I talked about work relationships, and there was one more thing. What was it? Oh, yeah. And here's where it starts. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word, Paul says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And that almost takes you to the end of the letter that he's writing. He says a few more things. He finishes the letter with, and, you know, make sure you pray for me. And Tychicus is the guy that's bringing you the letter, so be nice to him. And, you know, here's all the details. Love you tons. Love Paul. Okay? So that's, that's how the letter kind of comes to an end. So, This is almost near the end of this letter. And so I'm giving you all of this because when he's talking about the armor of God and he's talking about fighting a spiritual battle, he's not talking about something, you know, weird and mystical with real swords and shields and all that. There's no Harry Potter thing in this or any, it's not like that in the minds of him or in the minds of anybody else. It's, it's practical. It's real life. He just tacked it onto the end of getting along with each other and, and how to be married well. And, and, but Paul believes it. He believes there's a spiritual world. The church believes there's a spiritual world. The city they live in believes there's a spiritual world. It's just a given to all of them. And I'm telling you all of that because if you are here today and for whatever reason you go, well, I don't actually believe in a spiritual world, then this isn't going to make sense to you. Okay? And, and that's, that's fine. But we do believe in a spiritual world here. It's, it's a given. 
it's a thing that we assume is true. It's, it's why church exists. If, if there was no spiritual world, if this was all there was, there wouldn't really be reason for, for church to exist and nothing in the church would make sense. And I tell you all that because if you don't understand that frame of reference, if you don't understand that whole big picture of the stuff I've just said to you, then when somebody says something about spiritual world or armor of God, you're going to say, church is weird, okay? And you're going to say to somebody else, it's weird. Or you're going to react like Amber and you're going to go, where do I order mine and what sizes do they come in? Okay? So the idea of a spiritual world is not a metaphor. It's a real thing and it's assumed to be true. But Paul uses a metaphor to describe how we navigate that spiritual world. There's not real physical armor. I'm sorry. Some of you were excited about that, and there's not. It's a metaphor, and, and he's telling us how to navigate the spiritual world and how to remain standing and how to be able to survive when there's an enemy out there that, that hello, wants to kill you. And so he's giving us steps to take that, that help to protect and help to defend, and he uses a suit of armor to describe it. So we're going to walk through that whole metaphor now, and what we're going to do is we're going to do this the way I often do in my own devotions, because I use this scripture as a pattern for prayer, often, in the morning or in the evening or sometimes in the middle of the day, and, and it helps, it does a couple things, because it helps get scripture into my mind, that's a good thing, Right? And it also helps me to make sure that I pray, and that's also a good thing, and so it's win-win. And so we're going we're gonna to do that together this morning. So let's go back to the start, and we're going to keep pausing and have little moments um, throughout so that you learn how to do it as well. So it starts with Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm so grateful that it's about God's strength, not mine. And I know that, that all of you, you have it all together, and you're just strong, and, and you, you just got it going on every day, all the time, and you never have a weak moment. But can I just tell you, I, I will never forget the day that someone, a leader I trusted, and, and I was just in this vulnerable space, and I was struggling, and then I was beating myself up because I was struggling, and they looked me right in the eye, and they said, Patty, you don't have to be strong. God's the one who's strong. You just lean on him. And it, it changed me. It changed my life. And so I, I look at this and it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I take a deep breath and, and I pray something like this. I go, God, I'm not strong enough to deal with, with everything that comes my way today. I'm, I'm just not. I'm a little nervous about a few things. I'm not sure what's coming. But God, you are. You are strong enough. And, and you've invited me to lean on you. You've invited me to depend on you. So I'm going to choose to do that today, God. I'm going to choose to lean on your strength. And, and so help me, help me find my strength in you. That's what I pray. Why don't you take a few moments just now where you are and just whisper a prayer similar to that. God, I, I know I'm not strong enough, but you are and you, you welcome me to, you invite me to lean on you. So I'm going to do that today. Help me to trust you. Help me to lean on your strength. Just take a moment, whisper that prayer. 
And then Paul goes on in the letter and he says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now this is about who we fight and who we don't. And Christians are notorious for getting it wrong, okay? We keep getting it wrong who we think we're fighting. This is the part that we forget. We forget, listen to me, okay? We don't fight people, (laughs) okay? Say that with me. We don't fight people. We don't fight people. And you go, yes, I know that. We don't fight people, not my husband, not my wife, not my boss, not my coworker, not that neighbor next door that's super annoying. My fight is not against those people. We love people. Hello? Say it with me. We love people. We give kindness to people. We give grace to people. We give forgiveness to people. We give honor to people. And when we are in conflict with people, because it happens not to you, but to me sometimes, when we get in conflict with people sometimes, we respectfully find a way to work it out and still give honor that they're a person who is loved by God and created in God's image. Our goal is not to defeat people. We fight a spiritual enemy. That's who we fight. And he's real. And he exists. And he knows how to trigger me and then hide behind people so that I end up fighting people. Okay? And so I remind myself of that when I'm praying through this scripture and I I take a deep breath and after I've prayed this whole, God, I'm so grateful for your strength and I know I'm not strong enough and you are. Then I remind myself who I'm fighting and who I'm not and I pray something like this. God, my struggle is not with And then I have to insert names. And on the bad days, there's a lot of names. (laughs) My struggle is not with that person. Help me to show them love and honor and forgiveness. And I know that the enemy is going to try to tear us apart. I know the enemy is going to try to destroy relationships. Help me not get tricked by that. Why don't you take a moment? Just whisper a prayer like that. You can insert the names you want to. God... My struggle is not with, just list those names. Help me to show those people love. Help me to show that person forgiveness. Help me to show honor to that person. God, you know, I know that the enemy is going to try to tear us apart and destroy that relationship. I know the enemy is going to try to destroy friendships and marriages and work relationships and, and neighbor friendships. Please help me not to get tricked into that. My struggle's not with them. Just go ahead and whisper that prayer. And then Paul goes on and he says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Can I just tell you how encouraged I am to know that the goal is to still be standing at the end of the day? Because <laughs> I've been through times, and you have too, when, when it's just tough 
and you feel so beat up at the end of the day and you feel like you've been, you've been beaten on and you've been hurt and you're weary and you don't feel very victorious at all. You don't feel like you're winning at all. You don't feel strong. And Paul said, that's okay. If you're still standing, you won. <laughs> that's good news. If you're still on your feet, because the enemy's goal is to actually destroy us. The enemy's goal is to knock us down and not have us be able to get on our feet again. And so if the end of the day comes, it doesn't matter how bruised we are, how beat up we feel, or how tired we are. If we're still standing on our feet, we've won. We're good. We've lived to face another day. And I'm grateful for that, that that is the goal. And so I pray, oh God, God, Help me to keep on standing today. <laughs> That's all. Help me to stand today, God. Help me not to give up. Help me to know that if I get to the end of the day and I'm still here, that's a win. Go ahead. Pray that prayer just now. Take a few moments. Just whisper that prayer. God, help me to stay standing today. Help me not to give up. Help me to know it's a win. And then it says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's presence or God's righteousness. And this is where that, that suit of armor metaphor starts, the, the belt of truth. Okay, it's not a real belt. I'm not giving you a belt. The point is the truth. Because one of the enemy's greatest um, um, things, one of the greatest attacks that he could do to us is to lie to us. It's called the father of lies. He's, 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 and they're smart lies. He's not stupid. So they're the kind of lies that have a piece of truth in them. And then it takes that truth and it twists it, or it makes it a little bit ugly or turns it sideways and it messes with your head. And then it just keeps going around and around. It's the kind of lies that you might not recognize unless you're intentionally focusing on what is true. You have to focus your mind on what is true. And so if you focus your mind on something like, like, like what's true, if we confess our sins, God forgives us. That's it. And the enemy would go, oh, but look at that sin and replay it over and over and over in our heads until we're feeling condemned. And the scripture says God forgives us. Okay? Truth like nothing can separate us from God's love. Well, except for this. No. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Or truth like if we ask for wisdom, he will give it. And I'm telling you these things today because these are all in scripture and these are the kinds of things we have to focus our minds on in order to understand truth so that we can have that truth to go against the lies of the enemy. And you go, well, Patty, what am I going to do? I don't know all that scripture. You should read your Bible. Turn to the person beside you and go, you should read your Bible. That was very quiet way less enthusiastic than it's a good day. Okay. You should read your Bible. You have to get the truth in your head in order to know what the lies are when they come at you, because he's not going to announce himself and say, hi, it's Satan. And I'm going to tell you a lie just now and see what you do with it. It's going to sound like your own voice in your head. You have to learn how to be able to recognize that. Philippians chapter 4, which is another letter that Paul wrote to people in a different city. He said, fix your thoughts on what is true. You have to do it. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and things that are worthy of praise. And then the God of peace will be with you. But you got to put your thoughts where they're supposed to be. And so, so he talks about that, the belt of truth. And then he goes on to this idea of the body armor or some versions say the breastplate of righteousness. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful I don't have to be perfect. Right? I'm so grateful that, that I'm not 
perfect. I know I'm not perfect. And, and yet Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, he washes away my sins and he, he makes me clean before God and he makes me holy and, and covers away my imperfections. And I don't have to earn God's approval. It's given to me. That righteousness is given to me. He looks at me and he gives me that righteousness. And at the same time, at the same time, if I'm going to choose to live my life as a follower of Jesus, then I have to live my life as a follower of Jesus, right? And I'm going to live my life, my Tuesdays and my Wednesdays and my Saturdays, I'm going to live in such a way that honors what Jesus taught, that follows the principles that God has laid down and, and, and walks in a way that brings honor to who Jesus is and the way that he gave us directions for living. And if I intentionally choose not to do that, I'm leaving myself wide open. I'm leaving myself vulnerable. And so Paul says, put on the body armor or the breastplate of the righteousness that God has given you. But it's not all up to God. It's up to, it's up to me too to live that out. Okay? And so I, I pray this prayer. I go, God, the, uh, the belt of truth and the, and, the, and the body armor of righteousness. God, remind me of your truth today. Remind me of who you are. Remind me of, of who you say I am. Remind me, God, today of what is true and right and good. And, and help me to keep that in mind today. And then I go, and God, I'm just, I, I want to say thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for the righteousness that you give me. Can you show me where I'm not living it out? Not so I can be condemned and fail, but so that I can just go, wow, I got to make that right. Repent change. I put on your righteousness today. Why don't you take a moment, just whisper a prayer like that. God, do the belt of truth first. God, I take on the belt of truth. God, remind me of what's true. Go ahead, just whisper that prayer. Remind me who you are. Remind me who you say I am. Remind me of what's true. And God, I take on that, that armor of righteousness that, that you give me even though I don't feel like I deserve it, you give it to me. And I, I choose to live that out the best that I can today. I take that on. And then Paul keeps going and he says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Isn't it awesome? That when we are living in a world that has this whole spiritual element to it and, and it has this enemy that's trying to destroy me and even while God gives us the tools to stay standing, we also, all of that is happening at the same time, we also carry God's peace. And we walk out into the world with the good news of Jesus' love and the good news of Jesus' forgiveness and we carry that out into the world. We're not just living defensively. Aren't you glad about that? You know, some people go, well, I'm just trying to hang on until Jesus comes. You know, just, just hanging on until I die. You know, it's because this world is such a terrible place. We are not living just defensively. We have the peace that God has given us. And Paul says, put it on your feet and walk in it. Walk in the good news that Jesus has given us. Walk in the good news of what his message is and of who he is and that he loves people. We are at peace with God. And we get to carry that to the people that are around us and the people that are out in our world. And so I pray and I go, God, thank you. Thank you for your peace today. 
I'm going to put that on my feet. Thank you that I carry your good news. So God, I'm putting on my shoes, <laughs> my shoes of peace and the shoes of, of good news. And I'm preparing to walk through my day, God, with the peace and the good news of Jesus. Take a moment. Just pray that. Just whisper that prayer right now. Go ahead. It's okay. God, thank you for your peace. Thanks that I carry your good news. Help me to put on my shoes. Make me ready. Make me prepared to walk through my day with the peace and the good news of God. And then Paul goes on and he says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And that word for shield in the original language, it's a big one. Big shield, not one of these silly little ones. I mean, head to toe, covers over your body. Because you're going to get shot at with everything. You're going to get shot at with temptation. You're going to get shot at with doubt. You're going to get shot at with fear and with anxiety and with, with anger and irritability and whatever else. And, and, we, and with discouragement. And we hide behind our faith. And you go, well, I don't have to hide. I'm strong. Okay. Well, for the rest of us who know we're not strong and we're relying on God's strength, we're going to hide behind the faith that he gives us. We're going to actually trust that what he has said is true. We're going to actually depend on the things that he said. I'm going to actually trust. That's what faith is. I'm going to have faith that God's got me and that the things that I have learned are true. And I'm just going to hide behind that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let those shots come at me at all. And then he goes on and he says, put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and salvation. It's this solid assurance that when I said, I'm I want to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, yes, you are. Welcome to the family. You're in. You're good. And he he loves us. And he gives us this assurance and this knowledge that we're part of God's family today and for eternity. And he says, take that on, the helmet of salvation, that assurance. And God's word, scripture, functions like a sword, not against people. Say that with me. Not against people. Don't use your Bible against people. Don't take your Bible and hit people with it. Okay, because I will take your Bible and hit you with, no, don't, that was wrong. Okay, so, but you take God's word, you take the scripture, the sword of the spirit, it just cuts through all the nonsense, cuts through all the lies in your head, cuts through all the stuff that messes with your head, and it reminds you of what's true. Turn the person beside you and say, you should read your Bible. You should read your Bible or listen to your Bible. And so I pray and I go, God, I hold up the shield of faith today. I trust you. I trust that the things you've said are true. Thank you for the reassurance of salvation. I take on that helmet of salvation and I put it on. And thank you for your word and help me to absorb it and help me to remember it. Just go ahead and whisper a prayer like that. Just take that on today and make that a choice. Make it a prayer that you're doing. God, holding up that shield of faith. I'm trusting that it's true. Trusting that you've got me. Trusting that you're big enough. God, thank you for that, that salvation, that assurance. God, I take your word, the stuff that I've read in your word, the stuff that I've heard. Help me to absorb it. Help me to use it. Help me to stand on it today. And then he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The worship team, come on up. This last bit that he has, pray in the spirit. Like he could not be more clear. Pray. Say it with me. Pray. Pray. When? All the time. Well, how about on every occasion? 
Okay. Well, should I? Yes. And also pay attention to what's going on around you. Pay attention to the situations that you're facing. Pay attention to the world that you live in. Pay attention to the relationships that are starting to have struggles in them. Maybe there's something spiritual going on there. Pay attention to all of these things. Pray persistently. Pray repeatedly. Pray often. And pray for everybody else all the time everywhere. That's that's pretty broad, right? Pray. Say that with me. Pray all the time, on every occasion, for everybody else while you're being alert and for Christians around the world. And can I just tell you something? We've just done some of that through this service. We've paused over and over again, and we've prayed. And let's, let's just do that one more time, can we? I, oh God, I'm going to be alert. I'm going to pay attention to what's going on around me. And I think about this situation, whatever's on your mind. Or that person or this follower of Jesus who's on the other side of the world, or for this thing that I see happening in the world around me. God, I pray with alertness, and I pray over all of those things. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit, you would show me how to pray, show me what to pray for, remind me of what to pray. Go ahead and just whisper that prayer. Just respond even as the Holy Spirit shows you what to pray for. And then that's it. And it seems weird, I know, this whole thing about the armor of God, but is it a little bit little bit less weird now? Tiny bit less weird? Maybe a little bit more understanding of the context, a little bit better understanding of the meaning and why it's practical and how we can just use it in our day-to-day lives and what the point is. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to end this morning. I've asked the worship team if they would um, sing.